Well, today we have a two wonderful guests, and our first guest is Aluna Joy Yaskin. She is a star messenger, earth oracle, soul reader, sacred sight junkie. <laughs> was was literally born awake in the company of her elders, her guides. We call them the star elders. Today she has evolved into an author, spiritual life coach, sacred sight guide, alternative historian, ordained minister, and modern mystic. In the world, in the Inca world, Aluna Joy is considered a co-walk, Aluna can tell me if I'm murdering these words, uh, a clairvoyant or seer of living energy. Aluna acts as a spiritual architecturalist using her clairvoyant, clairsentient gifts to excavate current messages from the masters of ancient enlightened cultures to uncover what effects effect this has on humanity and the collective consciousness. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Aluna simply says, relax, breathe, and come on in and stay a while. The ancient ones, the star elders, and ascended masters all say that wisdom and truth is a river within us all. And if we hold too tight to our visions and wisdom and insights, we may also block out our own spiritual river within that's such a great insight, Aluna. We'll look forward to talking more about this fully in a little while. Now, after Aluna's very first trip to Tulum, Mexico, um, is that right, Paula? Tulum. 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 Thank yes. you. Uh, her life changed dramatically, and she was sent on an entirely different path in life. And since this time, her work has been influenced by uncountable shamanic experiences in sacred sites of Mexico, Guatemala, Belize, um, Honduras, Peru, Bolivia, Egypt, Greece, England, Australia, and New Zealand. Aluna has been leading groups in the Maya world since 1986 and the Inca world since 1996 and the Egyptian world since 2008. Paula, we really have a lady who loves traversing the universe. <laughs> Tell us more about her. Well, she's the author of Mayan Astrology. Her articles have been published worldwide. Luna Joy offers star elder sessions, uh, uh, essences from sacred sites, and a free newsletter. And her mm-hmm. website is Spectacular! Everybody that has not ever been on there needs to be getting onto her website. There's so much information, and it's www.alunajoy.com. Aluna Joy, we are joyful to have you with us today. Oh, thank you, you so there? much. Yes, do you hear me? Yes, hear you perfectly. Good, good. You know, both of you have such nice, soft voices, but I saw your picture. You look like a couple troublemakers to me. <laughs> Only once in a while. <laughs> Popsters, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we have some listeners that um, may not know anything about you, so I would like to know a little bit more how you got acquainted uh, with the Star Elders. 
Okay. Um, uh, first of all, thank you for that extremely long and embarrassing bio. <laughs> um, <laughs> the startled. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was long. <laughs> I've been busy. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We. Um, I. I connected with the buddies. Um, I called them the buddies when I was a child because I didn't have a fancy new age name for them at the time. But um, I was two or three years old got outside for the first time, looked up in the sky and felt the sun rays coming down on me, and I just knew that that was my family, which kind of set me up for the rest of my life um, as being the family weirdo, which I lovingly embrace. <laughs> and if I'm not weird enough, I try to get weirder. But, yeah, it's um, it's been a whole lifelong adventure in paying attention and watching to watching about what's going on on the earth and how it's affecting us and where we're going. Because if you know where you've been and you know where you are, you can sort of project forward to where where we might be going until this year. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so uh, what's happening this year? We don't have a clue. <laughs> Um, I'm going to be real honest. We're all scratching our heads going, what? Um, I knew this was coming. Um, The Starlers told me that after 2012 there would be a big drop-off. People might get depressed, confused, disoriented. Um, The world might feel very flat, lackluster. Um, These are all things that I've been hearing from tons of people all over the planet. It's it is just part of the plan. It's not that we failed. It's just that we've entered a new cycle that's fresh and clean, and it's moving at a much slower rate because it's a much bigger cycle, and we're starting at the bottom and building a new world. But we've really felt it. When we were in we were in Palenque, Mexico, and we were there on the 21st, and I'll tell you, I never felt it so frantic in my life. I thought my heart was going to explode in my chest. Everybody in the group was just, um, it was just incredibly frantic. Everybody in the site was frantic. It was it was just this electrical energy. And the next day it felt like we got shoved off a cliff into no man's land. And I really don't think we've hit the bottom yet. We're still floating around like a boat without a rudder. And we're all trying to figure out what this means for us now. And I think it's a good time for us all, uh, presenters and speakers and authors and all these people that have been working in the New Age um, community for decades, um, we're reassessing big time. And also everybody that has been following a a particular path or tradition um, or routine or technique, um, we're all kind of reassessing and reevaluating um, what we believe is true now. And um, the star holders warned me that this was going to happen. They said that we would enter, um, when we entered into that new stage, it would be there would be new laws of nature. And they said even the very fabric or core of our lives would change right underneath our feet, and we're seeing that um, easily by watching people's reaction to the energy and watching the news. Um, you can see there's quite a divide going on, or appears to be a divide going on and they they said it um everything's going to change and there's not one place or one person that isn't going to be touched by this transformation and we're going to reassess and if i would guess because the visions aren't that clear going forward these days 
Most seers are all compliant with that idea, and most of us can't see forward right now. I would say we're going to get back to some core and basics like we did um, when we first started this path and let go of the complications, get more simple. And um, my um, even yesterday I was feeling this edge of feeling like a sense of innocence like the 50s. You know, I remember when the 50s felt so calm and peaceful and we had time was nice and slow and easy. There was an innocence, and it feels like that's going to come back, but we're going to come back into that with the level of consciousness that we've been working toward all these years. It's almost like the calm before the storm. Yeah. yeah your, last, your last article um, written on your uh, website was about the solar flares and how mm-hmm. it's affecting us. Well, so, the Starlers told, told me about this as well. Um, that um, this is part of the divine plan. Um, the solar, the heightened solar flares um, actually sends energy to us that kind of shakes things loose and helps us wake up. And we're, we're all feeling that for sure. And there's nobody that is above not feeling this. Um, anywhere from feeling agitated to being just completely knocked out and closed up in your room hiding out until it passes. Um, and this month, of course, we had a, a really rare um, four-in-a-row Class X. You know, um, the um, the first two levels, the first one, um, you may not even feel that. Um, the medium-sized flares um, might mess up your day pretty good. Class Xs transform you. And we had four-in-a-row. We had no time in between them to assimilate or get our feet back on the ground. They happened one right after the other. Um, so it was pretty tough. That was about two weeks ago. Um, now we're in a really calm space. There is absolutely nothing happening happening out there on the sun right now. And it's a good time to integrate whatever all whatever came up during that time. You know, health issues are popping up a lot for people as well as emotional and or Lifestyle changes becoming a big issue. It was hard for me to focus. I mean, that's how I felt it. And now yeah. it's like, okay, it's time to be able to do things and get things done. Yeah, short-term memory is a real prob- problematic when a CME um, bursts off the sun. Oddly enough, by the time the magnetic field hits the Earth, uh, most of us, are our feet are back on the ground. It's when it actually bursts off the sun that we, we get this blast. And yeah, it'll it it scrambles your brain pretty good. So, um, you know, two weeks ago we were all lucky we could remember our name. <laughs> <laughs> and here I thought it was my age. <laughs> no, no, twenty year olds are talking about this. Thirty year olds, it, I don't think it has much to do with age. Now, if it continues, you know, you might want to consider the, uh, going to a doctor and looking at some issues if if things are ongoing, but. We're all feeling some pretty wild symptoms, nausea, headache, aches and pains, neck and shoulders, dizziness. Sleeping at um, times. What? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say sleeping at weird times. Oh, yeah. You know, naps. Sleeping, taking naps, yeah, yeah. Or not being able to sleep. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Luckily, we're in a so, calm spot uh, right now. Yes, it feels good. It feels really mm-hmm. good right now to me. Yeah, it does. Uh, I was looking at your website, and you uh, uh, 
have a film on there, and it's it's the first time I had heard of the film, but I'm going to definitely uh, watch it today sometime. It's called The Shift of Ages. Oh, yes. So um, did you have any part of making that, or you're just uh, helping promote um, I've it? Been, I've been a big supporter. Um, I know Don Alejandro um, and um, Elizabeth, and I've also met with a film producer and no friends that have been huge supporters of the film. Um, I've I've really gotten behind it and supported it with everything I had because it is the only film out there that actually talks from the Maya perspective on what's going on, and um, uh, it, 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 it's it's the only one, and it's the only one, and it's the only Maya truth that's actually approved by Maya culture, Maya tradition in Guatemala and Mexico. So it's it's a powerful film. Um, uh, Don Alejandro's um, he's um, they're working now on getting it translated into other languages for other countries. But it's a it's it's a nice insight into um, Maya culture and um, cosmology and how they think about the world. So it's well, it's really important. How, how do they ahead. think about the world differently than what? we've been told um i um boy that's a big question um every elder has kind of a different perspective i've wor- i've worked with several over the years um some are very positive some are co- can can be considerably negative um donald hondra talks about the three days of darkness um which i i think will probably fall asleep in the middle of it and probably won't know it even happened um, that's my take on it. Um, if that does happen, um, they—it's it, almost like, oh, how would I explain it? You just—you'd have to be present in a in a in a Mayan fire ceremony to really understand their perspective. But they don't understand our world much at all, especially the ones that are really traditional. Um, it's they're nature based. So when they do their ceremony, they're listening to the wind and the trees and the birds singing and the clouds and the way the fire is reacting, and they kind of see it as a whole organism. Like there is um, everything is is one, and they they treat it as such, and everything is absolutely sacred. So it's it's an interesting. Um, it's it's a nice way to look at things because I think if we all um, felt the way they felt, um, we'd be treating the earth a whole lot better. Um, they're appalled at how badly um, the ones that are non-traditional, um, that are come from all walks of life, are treating the earth. And um, they they don't even have to go out and leave their little villages to know what's going on in the world. They talk to the fire and the fire tells them what's going on. So... Um, oh, I just got a chill on that one. Yeah, they yeah, it, but this is this is not terribly uncommon up in um Peru. <clears throat> Monsanto um has been trying to go in and sell these farmers um their seed and fertilizers and who knows what else. And I'm, you know, I'm assuming that Monsanto has a really slick sales pitch. And these are extremely simple people. We're talking really simple, probably don't know how to read or write. 
Um, and uh, Monsanto comes into Peru and pitches their wares, and they um, went to the mountains, which are their sacred temples, the Apus, and asked the Apus what um, they should do about this, and the Apus told them no, and so they went back to Monsanto and said no. So we're talking about very simple, beautiful, heart-opened people um, that don't know, probably don't even know the United States exists or anything else for that matter besides their own little world, but yet they knew how to listen to the mountain and say no to this big company. And I was just mind-boggled by that because that takes a lot of trust, and we learn we can learn a lot from that um, if we could really trust our hearts and our the voice in our heart and our our truth inside. If we trusted it that much, I can't I can't imagine how much atrocities we we would avoid in this world if um, we we could listen like they do. Well, it sounds like they go from moment to moment, and really in a no fear aspect, and just listening to their heart. It's yeah. really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I think if we did that each day too, you know, it's what happens is we, you know, jump ahead, you know, wondering how different things are going to take place and whatever, and and the worries there, and what happens is you're stepping outside yourself. Mm-hmm. Aluna, isn't, isn't that right? Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. being able yeah. to listen, and these people are really great at listening to them, to their hearts. But they, you know? they have their feet on the ground, and they're outside, and they're not stuck in, with their face in front of a computer or a television. And they're outside all day with their animals, and they're, they are so in tune with the earth, and we've lost that. Um, but don't get me wrong, they have their worries. They're poor. If the weather acts up, they might lose their crop. Sometimes they do. It floods out or it dies or they don't get enough rain. or um, They have their worries. Um, but because, and every human does, so there's nobody out there that's above fear. Um, it, it's part of the human condition. The unknown scares us. It's just part of life. But not letting it affect us to the point where we can't access our truth. So they have a lot less to deal with, and when you hang out with them, um, you can feel the empty space, the the simplicity of that, and how clear and how tuned in you can feel to the earth as a whole and humanity as a whole, as, as everything is one, when you're not all cluttered up. And I I think um, we're heading, we've peaked out at a certain point. Humanity has. Um, um, first world countries, we've peaked. I think we're starting to realize we're getting tired of sitting in front of our computers. Um, people are starting to um, back away a little bit, and that's a good thing. I don't think we have to let go of it all the way, but I think we need to get back out and get our feet on the ground and pay attention and listen to the wind and the birds and the way the earth feels. And it, it's pretty obvious, even with the solar flares. This is another thing the solar flares are teaching us we can really feel it when the sun when the sun explodes because it affects us. We have symptoms in our body, and these are clues. And I'm sure that they have their kind of clues as well. And if we learn how to listen to our body, which has kind of its own mind, and then our spiritual side or our soul, which has another mind, and you combine the two, you really get a good picture of what's going on. And um, pay attention to everything. Uh, it doesn't. It, I, I worry about people that go into the, it's all love and light and it's all good. 
um, mentality because when you go there, um, uh, what you're telling the universe is you're accepting and you're okay with the situation you're in. And I understand that we don't want to get upset about bad things that happen in our lives, but when we say it's all good or it's fine or whatever, we're telling the universe we, we want more of that. And the universe is bound by natural law to order up some more of that. So um, I know the elders, they watch everything, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, and they pay attention to everything, but they don't come from a place of judgment uh, that it's right or wrong. It's just a message about where we're at and where we might be going. Does that make sense? Yes. And do they do, they do um, cer- well, I was going to say, do they do ceremony to help things shift to the uh, helping the earth? Yeah, they do a, a lot of um, ceremonies. In um, the, um, Peru, they do what they call a despacho where they um, work to help heal people or they help um, the energy of the mountains or the earth. Um, And then they have all kinds of things that they probably don't let people like me, you know, white-skinned people (laughs) see, Um, although I have good Caro friends and Inca and um, Quechua friends in Peru that um, would pretty much share anything. On the Maya world, um, I've I've had experiences with that too. They do ceremony. To, they they know that when they do their ceremony, and they um, set up their fire circle, it's set in the day sign that that day is. In other words, what day it is in the Mayan calendar, and they set it up in nine different directions, which is north, south, east, west, above, below, and center. Wait, that's only four, five, seven. Oh, and the heart within is eight, or I think there's nine, and I think I forgot one. And yeah, they 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 know that when they're working with that, it's working with the whole planet. Even here in the Southwest, on um, the medicine circle, if you build a medicine circle, you need to maintain and take care of it because it represents the whole planet. And so you don't want it to become disheveled or have weeds. And um, it's you taking care of your circle as your way of taking care of the planet. Out of all of your sacred journeys, um, is there one um, particular excursion or um, thing that happened to you that stands out in your mind? Yes. Well, I've had a, I've had a pretty, a, quite a few of really big experiences. Um, um, it'd be a toss-up between what I experienced in Avalon last year and Planky in 1990. Um, both were life changers for me. Um, Palenque, um, I saw the history of the universe. I, I was a kind of a rebel back then. I was younger and really blonde <laughs> and a troublemaker. <laughs> and I snuck in after dark and spent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a. I'm. I'm the worst. My whole. All my groups are troublemakers. You know, we're <laughs> always stirring things up because you gotta. You gotta stir things up to to find out what's under there and. We do spiritual archaeology. You know, you gotta you gotta stir some things up. But anyway, I had snuck in after dark and spent the night inside the temple and um, um, experienced the Earth's Merkaba before anybody knew what a Merkaba was even then. I don't think Drumvolo was teaching Merkaba shops workshops at that point. Um, but I saw the Earth's Merkaba. I saw my place inside of that. What it what it felt like to be in that and heard the history of the universe. And I can't really explain it more than that. 
Um, but it, it started me off in doing what I'm doing right now. That trip in Palenque was, that's, I said, that's it. i got to help people get here. And that's, that's what started the whole thing going. Um, although Tulum kind of got everything kick-started in the first place, and that's a pretty powerful site. Although now it's so heavily tourist, covered with tourists, I doubt it, it would be um, hard to find some good energy there at this point. Um, a lot of tourists. Um, and then Avalon, we were in um, Tintagel on the cliffs of um, Tintagel, and I had a, a very odd um, experience where I had a, kind of a past life overlay and uh, my heart just opened wide open, and I got, uh, for 18 hours, I got to feel what it felt like to have my heart completely and totally wide open. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. while I was in the middle of that, I slipped and fell and broke a rib. And so through the pain even, um, I, I would have gladly accept that pain right now back, to feel that feeling back, because the love that I felt... Um, for everybody and everything was just beyond anything I've ever, ever, ever experienced. Uh, and we're going back in July. We're looking really forward to getting the next piece of that. Um, we know we can't repeat our experiences, but we know we can layer or add to or learn more or go deeper. So, the, yeah, those two places. But if I had to pick one place, that if I could only go to one sacred site of my entire life or ever again, it would probably be Palenque. But that's a hard choice because yes, there's places in Peru. There's places in Peru that are just so sweet. Just the culture, sweet. The mountains sing to you. It's just magical. It's so clear psychically. It's you feel like you're you're sleeping with angels. It's it's. Peru's amazing, and Avalon has that mother goddess energy and Mother Mary and Magdalene and Jeshua and all that, and that's really powerful stuff there as well. Um, and King Arthur and um, Joseph Arimathea and all those all those beings, we have a lot of fun talking with them because wherever we go, we collect collect new buddies. So last year we had a really nice message from King Arthur. I think I posted that on my website, what he said. Um, that's why I post them, because I forget about them immediately. So I can't remember what he said now. But it was with Joseph of Arimathea and and, um, and uh, King Arthur, who looked very disheveled and unshaven and very warrior-like. I was surprised when I saw him, how he looked. Um, he wasn't all polished and pretty. He was, um, a, a pe- he was there for the people. And, it was, and I know he's a myth. Um, in history, but um, I didn't see a myth. So you're going to have to rethink that one, maybe. So do you bring any of these um, uh, deities or people that you meet when you're at a sacred site, do you ever bring them back home and still communicate with them? Sometimes. Um, One time I was at Lake Titicaca and I slipped through one of the dimensional doorways this is something you can't try to do. Um, it's something that just kind of happens. And met four Lemurian healers, and they work with me. Um, I, I, Lord Maru, Brotherhood of the um, Seven Rays, which is sort of the South American version of the Great White Brotherhood. Um, he hangs out with me a lot. Jeshua's always been a companion. Archangel Michael also is with me all the time. Um, um, I never get any any space. <laughs> 
soon as my mind gets clear and I'm in the shower, they'll give me a message. So there is no there is no privacy in the shower. They'll say, oh, okay, she's not thinking of anything. Let's give her something to do. And then someone heard that, that I did that, and they sent me a link to a, a waterproof notepad, a link to a site where you could buy a waterproof notepad. And I go, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I know sometimes I write things on the shower door. <laughs> yeah. Is there something about the water? And you're kind of letting everything go. And it, it's my way of clearing myself. And I, I tend to get or washing dishes, sometimes in the garden, but... Basically, in the shower, I get some pretty good stuff in the shower. Yeah, that's where I get all my activated. messages. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I can't. <laughs> I jump. I jump out with a towel and run to the office and jot things down, dripping wet, and the dogs are wondering what I'm doing. And <laughs> yeah, now, let me go pretty... back and ask you, as far as your young childhood, um, you said you were born awake, and mm-hmm. are there any spe- particular days or an event or something that you would share about when you were a young child and and how you looked at life then? Yeah, I remember um, coming in and into my body. Um, I remember kicking and screaming the whole way, by the way, um, because I was starting to feel the density of the earth, and it was not comfortable. Um, Even today, I don't like gravity much. And now that I'm older, I really don't like gravity. <laughs> but um, <laughs> gravity's not my friend right now. But, um, yeah, I I felt the layers of density hit me, and I watched myself forget. Because when we're in spirit and and we're considering coming in, we ha- we're connected to everything. And when we come in, um, we things get erased. And we forget, so I was um, fighting that um, because I was watching things disappear in my mind and in my heart, and I knew I was losing things, so I kind of kicked and screamed all the way in um, to hang on to as much as possible. And I I manifested parents that really couldn't show up there for me, and I I bet you a lot of people listening that are on a spiritual path right now could um, relate to that. Um, we're we're usually the odd ones out in the family. Um, uh, I just couldn't connect with my parents or or my sisters at that young age. I did when I, I was older, but um, and I realize now that that was a real gift because um, as a child, as a really ba- a baby, um, you have to be able to connect to something to stay to survive. Otherwise, you don't stay in your body. You have to anchor somehow. And the way I anchored was connecting with my buddies. And um, I knew I had to get outside really, really badly. And I I was able to walk at one point. And I remember I had to reach way up to get to the doorknob. And I woke up long before my parents had. And I knew that that doorknob would open the door. And I finally got outside. And that's when I really connected with them. And um, they've been with me ever since. Um, and I was, I, of course, I was raised Baptist Christian, so I really didn't talk about them to anybody um, back then because it wouldn't, it wouldn't, be, it would have been frowned on. And uh, I, that also isolated me, which was a good thing. And I spent most of my childhood up a tree. And those days, in those days, they would say the children are having uh, make-believe friends. 
Yeah, well, and my parents understood that. They thought I was having make-believe. But when I became an adult and I was still talking about them, uh, <laughs> uh, they, you know, yeah. they were starting to w- worry about me a little bit. And at one point, uh, my mother told me, she goes, maybe you should let that go and, you know, grow up and become an adult. And I believed her. So for 15 years, I tried to be normal like everybody else, and I made horrible mistakes and failed miserably at being a normal person and um, finally had to do a major course correction in the early 80s um, to get my life back on track because I was not living who I was supposed to be. And I'm sure a lot of people out there have had to do that too. You you try to fit in and you try to, you try to belong or to fit because it gets pretty lonely if you don't. And um, the, the result is, you end up in a place that you shouldn't be, and then spirit or your divine self and your divine purpose literally picks you up and makes you do a, cor- a pretty hard course correction um, to get you back in line. And I think that's what these solar flares are doing, doing like mini adjustments on us now, getting us, you know, really aligned, really aligned to I that path now. Something happened in the 80s, too, because a lot of people really shifted and changed during that time. Oh, yeah. That was a huge wave. And and there's actually astrological um, evidence of why this is, this happened. Um, there's a dark rift in the Milky Way. And the Mayas call this a place of great transformation. It's also a place of darkness. And it's, it's like a, almost like a dark night as a soul for the planet. We entered into that in... Um, um, 83, 84, 85, 86, it took us 33 years to cross all the way across it. But we hit the first part of it in the mid-80s, and um, this is what triggered it. And then, um, of course, when you're in the darkness, uh, you're, you become more aware of the light that you have inside of yourself. So um, I think this is what triggered the whole spiritual movement because, uh, after all, there was a comparison now we were in the dark, and we we became very aware of our light, and that was a thirty three a thirty year process up to this point, and now um, on twenty twelve and twenty thirteen we are bumping the other edge now of that great rift in the Milky Way, and it'll take us three years to complete that by twenty sixteen. So I think this is why we're feeling a little lost right now because now we're entering back into the light, um, and we don't have that comparison so much about who we are in compared to the rest of the world somehow. And, and there's a book out by Marcus Mason called The Astrology of 2012. And Marcus is a good friend of ours, and we do trips with him in uh, England and Scotland, and hopefully one day Ireland. That's been calling as well. And um, he wrote all about this and mapped it all out beautifully. Um, about about this, and I th- I still think I have some books. I think it's still up for sale on my website if people are interested in getting into the astrology of it. But we're coming out of that now, and so now it'll be time where we can go back to living in a place where things are peaceful and calm and less complicated, and maybe some of the innocence will return and things won't be as hard. But we'll be able to maintain all that we learned while we were in that rift. <laughs> So we've evolved. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we never stop. We never stop evolving. Um, if we, if everybody out there thinks there's a destination, there isn't. We keep evolving. Um, we keep growing. We keep learning. 
Um, this is why you can hit, never have judgment about where anybody's at in their life because nobody nobody manages to get to the destination point. There is none. There's little mini destinations like when I get to here, but after that your soul says, okay, now what's next? And you're ready to learn something more. So it's it's a, it's a step-by-step process that continues on and on and on, and now we're in a brand-new cycle, and we get to create the foundation for a whole new world. So it's it's interesting to watch how things are manifesting um, in the world, how things are being rattled and things that are out of alignment are starting to get shaken loose and from really big corporations and government offices to down to the personal level. It's affecting absolutely every single living thing. Yeah, the doors are being flown wide open. Oh, yeah. You know, I I want to share with people the incredible essences that you have brought forth. Do you want to tell us about this journey that you have brought all of these blends oh. and, and um, how they came Yeah, about? they're... Um, we call them secret site essences. Um, it started, man, back in the 80s. No, or late early 90s. And I, it was a long time ago. <laughs> and um, I was in a crop circle, and, and the buddy said, make an essence. And I go, well, what's an essence? And they go, it's an essence that captures the energy of a site and a time and a moment. And I'll go, okay, I don't, and I said out loud. I didn't know I was saying it out loud. And I said, well, I don't know how to make an essence. And someone in the next leaf of this crop circle said, "Well, I know how." <laughs> and it was it was per- it was perfect. And um, I had chalice well water at the time, and so we made our first crop circle essence, our sacred site essence in a cr- in a crop circle. It was a 33 petaled um, flower design, and we made it with the uh, um, flowers. It was in a rapeseed field um, with flowers that had been bent over, and it's still probably the most spinny powerful essence um it and um then i thought well okay i made this one and i thought that was it and i had no intention of going into the essence business and then pretty soon they started suggesting make one here or make one there and so now i kind of carry a bottle of water and a um a bowl and around with me wherever i go and once in a while um, i'm allowed to make essences sometimes i'm not I think in 2011 I didn't make a single one. They said no. Um, 2012 I made a quite a few. Um, Egypt we made a, a lot of essences, um, and I just wait for them to kind of shove me because I forget about the bowl in my backpack, and all of a sudden they'll say now, and I know, and we might might put a rock in there from a sacred site or a flower that's blooming or something, or it might be just straight water. We made one straight out of rainwater on December 21st, 2012. They said we needed to make an essence that was what was coming from the heavens, not the earth. And I said, well, how do you do that? And I go, this is crazy. I don't know how to do that. You know, I use water and I use sites that, you know, there's a sacred spring running through Palenque, so I'll use the local water. And they said, no, you can't. It can't be anything that's touched the ground. And that day it rained so hard that we were completely drenched. And we made an essence of of the rain water that never touched the earth in the site of Palenque during our ceremony on December 21st, 2012. Oh, that must be pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and when you're going through really um, tough things, 
Um, our Shasta Lily one is a real good balancer. It, um, I keep a bottle with that uh, of that one in with me most of the time because it really um, kind of puts the grace back in the transformation. It doesn't stop you from transforming, but it makes it a lot easier, and it kind of calms you down and gets you out of your fear space when you're going through stuff. And that's made out of a rare a rare lily off of Mount Shasta. Um, we just have so many. Um, people are just going to have to go to the website. There's a bunch, and each one of them um, comes from a different day and a sacred site that was emanating a certain energy at the time, and they can't be repeated. Um, once they run out, they're gone. Um, sometimes um, they expire on me, and the buddies will say, dump them, and couple times a year we'll go through and look at each bottle and they'll tell me which ones to throw out, saying, okay, that one isn't needed anymore. Um, right now all of them um, are good. Um, but, yeah, they're, each one is made in a, 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 a sacred site. When I'm pushed by spirit, it's usually during some, sometimes it's during a celestial alignment of some kind or a moon or a, a solstice or an equinox. Um, but it could be just a particular quality of energy they want me to capture. Um, the energy goes into the essence, and the essence is like, um, you know, like your Bach flower essences. Um, they, it's sort of like a homeopathic inoculation of the energy of that site in that moment. And I'm a uh, sacred site junkie, so, you know, I like going to the sites because you, you always get the, what's coming next first in a sacred site. It eventually manages to go across the whole planet, so you don't really have to travel to get it. You will eventually get it, but a lot of us sacred site junkies like to go because it's so much fun to experience it firsthand, and so the essences actually help, so I actually bring some of the energy back, so it's almost like they get to experience the frequency of that site without having to buy the plane ticket, which is nice. It's like a gift. Yeah, it is. Now, through all of your uh, sacred sites, crop circles, etc., have you seen orbs? Um, um, not with my eyes. Um, a lot of my group get orb pictures everywhere, and uh, I, I usually don't. I have a pretty good camera uh, and different lenses, and I always expect to. Um, but and other people get them all the time, and I don't. I was so disappointed. But last year we were in um, the Sekhmet Temple at Karnak in Egypt, and I was—it's um, a little tiny little temple off to the side—and we got special permission yeah. to go in, and it was very powerful. And at the last moment, I thought, "Oh my gosh, I didn't take a picture," so I pulled out my iPhone, and as soon as I turned the camera on, there was orbs. They weren't just sitting still; they were moving around like crazy. Um, and I took some video of that. And it's pretty rough because I didn't want to stop the group from having their experience. So there's some flashbulbs happening in the in the little bit of video. That's not a phenomena. That's a flashbulb. But there are some orbs that are just mind-boggling. They're the only ones I ever got. So if you go on my YouTube channel, and it's called Feel the Love 2012, um, and watch the SecMech um, orb video. Um, it, it's about three minutes. And it'll knock your socks off. Haven't gotten an orb since. <laughs> that was oh, my I, I, I got. We went to see Sekhmet Temple uh, when they were 
at night went with a full moon and it, Ooh. I'll never I'll never forget that. It was Oh, wonderful. she's powerful. She's powerful. Oh, yeah. Um we felt so loved. She she can either destroy you or love you and luckily she loved us that day. She we were crying. Our the tears were coming and we were on our knees. We we got to make an essence. Um, and yeah, we made a Sekhmet essence during the time those orbs were happening. I think that one might be sold out. I don't know. I'd have you'd have you'll have to go look on the website. I, I have a feeling that one sold out pretty fast. And like I said, you can't remake them. It is what it is. I bring home so much, and but yeah, everybody should go watch that little video. It is a trip, and. Um, and I, I tried for the rest of the trip on the exact same mode on the camera, everywhere I went, just hoping, oh, good, I get orbs, all right, I'll be like everybody else, and I'll get all these great orbs, and I didn't get a single one the rest of the trip. That was it. You said it was called Feel the Love? Feelthelove.com, Feel Feel the Love 2012. If you just Google that, it'll take oh. you right to my YouTube station, or or it's linked on my website at www.alunajoy.com. My YouTube channel is linked right at the top. So, yeah. Yeah, we've got a couple other yeah, a good of- things. And, yeah, we got interviews from mm-hmm. elders um, about 2012, um, bits of ceremony here and there. Um, I haven't had time this year to make any video because 2012 was so incredibly busy. But um, we did manage to get the orb one up as fast as we could because we were so excited it was just quite amazing. Now, what would your explanation be of an orb? Um, a lot of people think it's uh, like nature spirits. Um, I mean, I hear all these different explanations of an orb. What do you think they are? Yeah. Um, all, all I know is when we walked in that temple, the energy knocked us off our feet, literally. It was it was the, the best moment in the entire trip. Um, so the energy was happening, and I could feel that with my body. Um, and I've seen other people's orb pictures. A lot of them, as a photographer, I think they're dust caught in um, the flash. But then there's mm-hmm. a lot of them out there that absolutely couldn't be a lens flare or couldn't be um, dust catching in the digital camera flash. So um, you, photographers know the difference between um, a friend of mine in um, the Netherlands, she gets the most amazing photographs. Um, and she just, the spirit tells her when to put the camera up. And then there's another friend that um, she will um, focus on the ground and then shoot the sun. And she gets amazing stuff. But spirit tells her when to do it. And it's just kind of like when I make my essence. Spirit tells me when to make the essence. Um, and some people get a hit when to take the photograph. So um, I know that you can feel it. Um, when there's some special energy around and people take pictures, usually there's orbs there. Well, you have covered the world and you're going to go to, um, I think your next one you said was Avalon. Mm-hmm. But you have your uh, calendar full because you're going to be in Egypt and Peru. Yep. and. Yep. Um, uh, Egypt and Avalon are booked for this year. We're per- completely full for the year. But we are plotting and planning um, a fun trip in March to the Maya world and to some sites, one that has just recently been opened up that has a Stella to the, the Divine Feminine. 
and that's just practically non-existent all through the Maya world. This place has been very difficult to get to, but now the roads are good enough that I think we can get buses in there. So we're going. Uh, it's called Kalakmul, and so we're planning that, and that'll be up on the website probably, I don't know, hopefully um, in the next month or so. And then Egypt, um, we probably won't go to next year, but I never know until after I'm done with a trip if I'm supposed to go back or not. And Peru is, I, I can't imagine going more than a year without going to Peru. It's my heart, and I feel so welcome there. So that would be in September. That's not on the website either. So if people are interested in trips in 2014, they need to write us and ask to be on the alert list. Um, and we'll make sure that we inform you first because they book really fast. Um, sometimes in a matter of a couple of weeks, we'll be full. So... Um, if you're really interested in coming, you need to be on that alert list because we'll let you know firsthand what's up before we announce it to the public. Yeah, and we only do yeah we only do 20 to 30 people at a time. We only do two or three trips a year. So they and I don't do much other things public anymore. Um, so it's um, because I, the trips they're they're just so transformational and. And the, the family vibe in our groups is, is so amazing, and we meet lifelong friends. And uh, it, it's just something I just can't stop doing because I'm such a sacred site junkie, but I'm also a people junkie, and I really want to be connected to people. And the way to really do that is to go spend a couple weeks in sacred sites with them. And that that's my favorite. That's my joy in life is meeting great new people that have like mind and are on the same kind of path I am, and and we find out we're not alone in this world, and it's and these people all stay friends, and they start traveling the world, and they have friends in different countries because our groups are always international, and so we have friends that travel back and forth to all different countries, and they have place to stay because they got friends there. It's just great to see the family building. I love it. So we were talking about your trip, people being on the alert list. So. Yep. That's good to let our listeners know that because sometimes people think, oh, I'll wait maybe a month before they leave or two months before they leave. And, yeah, and then, by and the time, it, if they wait till a month before we leave, we've already finalized our rooming list. We've let go of hotel rooms. It's it's almost impossible to get you in in the last 30 days. Um, and I know spiritual people, and they love to be spontaneous. I love to be spontaneous. But I just can't get the hotels to agree with that, so... <laughs> We're, we're kind of stuck with, um, you know, the business world on this angle, and, and they want deposits and rooming lists usually 30 to 40, in Peru almost two months prior to the trip. And uh, and they don't budge because they, they know that they've only, there's only so many hotels in, you know, like in Machu Picchu, there's only so many hotels. They want to make sure they're booked. So if they don't have money and names, they don't keep our rooms for us. So, yeah, you got to sign up early. Um um, sometimes we get a cancellation at the last minute um, due to, you know, life Life happens. And um, sometimes we can sneak somebody in, but it's pretty rare. We snuck someone in on our Avalon trip yesterday. Someone canceled, and we managed to get someone in at the last minute that was dying to get in. So, But uh, today it's, it's closed. So even if we had a cancellation, we can't add. So it's... It's an interesting thing being on a spiritual path and having to deal with um, the business world and hotels. I know it's a lot of work. 
a lot of work yeah. to put that together. Yeah, so it is. It is, but it, I'll yeah. tell you in the end, it's so worth it because the groups are amazing and the sites are awesome and and um, yeah. Does it does it happen that the group that comes together? Because I imagine they come from all over the world. It's just like a perfect match that they all were there on your trip. You know, it's not that it's not that way for a lot of people that do trips. They have you know what we call really problem group members. We're just really really lucky. And I know it's Archangel Michael. He goes out and he combs the planet and sends the right people to us. And if someone's not quite right, um, uh, sometimes they do what I call a shuffle. Two, three months out, someone will drop out, someone will come in and go, oh, okay, they're shuffling the deck a little bit. They're just fine-tuning it. But we're really, really lucky that we have such um, um, heart-centered, um, unconditionally loving, very supportive groups. Um, I just knock on wood and I thank my lucky stars every day because all you have to do is have one person that isn't in alignment with what you're doing and it can ruin the energy of the whole group. And I just feel so incredibly thankful because it it's a blessing. When we show up and in 20 minutes everybody's jabbering like they've known each other for 20 years and they're catching up like they've always known each other, it's just magic to watch. And I know that I just if I just stand back and get out of the way and let the spirits do what they need to do to sign the right people up, they do a magnificent job. I could never pick a group the way they do. So <laughs> I just get out of the way. Aluna, I put it I'd out. like you to share. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I'd like you to share your, some about some of your books here. You have several, and that people should know that, that they're out for um, them to look at. It's, you know, the Mayan astrology that, that you brought forth yourself uh-huh. and um, uh, the Mayan daykeeper and mm-hmm. the time decoder. Yeah. Uh, and, and you actually do readings for people, too. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, um, there's, they're kind of generic kind of readings, like any kind of astrology reading you would get online. Um, but it, it gives you some great insight um, to yourself. It's not like a personal reading. And, um, but um, the books are there for people who are interested in understanding mind cosmology. I, I think it's probably the easiest form of getting into it because it's a little complicated at first, and you're actually dealing with a different cycle of time. It's a 260-day cycle, not a 365-day cycle. And so it's a little mind-bending at first, um, but my instructions are really clear, and we fine-tuned it over the years. And um, if, so if you're interested in um, understanding mind cosmology, um, those books are good, um, good for that. It's a, it's a very narrow market. A lot of people don't like to get involved with something so complicated, but um, if you're attracted, I, I think it's the best one out there to do so. Um, and then also, if you just want to do it simply online, we have free birth date converters right online. You can do it for free, um, add up a couple numbers, and you can get a little mini reading right online on my website. I think it's under the book tab, um, but you can um, learn what your Mayan day sign is in two different calendars. There's actually 26 different calendars. I only use two. And my book is only based on one of them, the Yucatec version. 
But, yeah, you, there's some free stuff people can get. Um, uh, they can get a little mini reading, and if they're interested, there's more to get by getting the book and diving in. Plus, you do uh, Star Elder sessions. Yes, um, I have a really long waiting list right now because um, 2011 and 12, I was so busy. I just didn't have time. Um, I'm just now getting my feet back out on the ground and considering starting, but I think there's a couple hundred people on my waiting list right now. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, at that point, I'm I'm hoping that some of those have moved on and found other sources for um, readers. I would wish I could could teach people what I do, but I was born this way, so I don't know what it feels like not to have it or how I got here. It's it's just what I do. Um, but I'm hoping to start sessions again this year. So if you want to be on the waiting list, you can call. And I figure out of every 20, 30 people, um, probably a third of those or half probably won't be interested anymore. So hopefully the list will move quickly. It's very daunting well, thinking maybe, about doing all those things. <laughs> well, maybe with somebody that uh, you actually do a, a Star Elder reading for, they'll come through and say, this person can do that. So maybe that'll yeah, come through. Um, yeah. Um, also, if someone's in a really tight jam and they're really in a bad way, um, we will um, we will make exception and I'll make time for that person because I'm really good at helping people through dark nights. So if it's really tough, and they don't think they're going to make it through the day, um, I, I never say no. So if I'm around and I'm not in some other country, I will, yeah, yeah. You can't turn people away like that. I remember what it was like um, in the mid-'80s when I was going through my dark night, and there was just no help available back then. Everybody was still learning, and it was really tough. And I know now it was good for me to get through it on my own, without much help because now I understand the process but um, it's really really hard and very lonely place to be when all the doors are slamming shut and you can't find that one that's left open and uh, and everything around you is is falling away um, so yeah I, I always leave the door open for that for for those that are really struggling we need to let our listeners know that um, we're speaking with Aluna, and, and that is A-L-U-N-A, Joy, and her website is alunajoy.com as well. Uh, what a special time we have had with you. This is, you know, all the wonderful gifts you've brought from the universe just to be in one area so people can really pull together Thank and you. be supportive. Thank you. You know, to put it in perspective, though, it's the only thing I'm good at. So <laughs> the rest of the world, I'm not. I'm not very good at. This is my thing. You know, it's it's what I'm good at. Um, while well, people are multi. <laughs> I was going to say, at least you recognize it and use your gifts. Some people will put them on the shelf. So we're thankful that you're here for everyone. Well, thank so, you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being that. with us. Uh-huh. Oh, you're so welcome. We'll, we'll talk to you and have you on our show again. Thank you. Love to. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Okay. Great.